Hey, Jason, you know, IMTS is coming up September 2018. I mean, I can't believe a, a year has gone by that quickly. And we were there and integrating and learning all those new technologies and innovations. You know, did you know that it's coming up? In I September did. Yeah. No, I'm excited. Yeah. So, you know, man, last time we were there, I, I we met so many cool people and I learned so much. And, you know, I learned from a lot of my peers that the successes of their companies that they've seen over the last few years have been birthed from innovations and things that they've learned during IMTSs in the past. Yeah, it truly is an amazing experience to go to IMTS and see all the great innovation, see the newest technologies. I mean, I would be suspect of somebody that was a manufacturing leader and was not going to IMTS, to be quite honest, because you just might get behind the game. And we all know how important it is to stay on top of things. That is definitely the place to learn and integrate any new innovations and technologies that are out there and get you ramped up for the future to make your business successful. IMTS.com. Register now. Do it. So where are those ads leading people? If you don't have a built-up LinkedIn page, or if you don't have content or thought leadership pieces on your page, sure, you'll have a high click rate, but they're seeing an empty page. So I think before you are driving people anywhere, it's really important to build up not only your brand, but that content that's going to support it. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts, business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hello, Metalworking Nation. Jim here from Making Chips. So glad you could tune into another episode and listen to Jason and I talk about all things relevant in the manufacturing industry. I'm sitting here in our beautiful home, our new DMDII studio on Goose Island in downtown Chicago. And I've got Jason in the studio with me. He's sitting right across the desk with me. Big smile on his face. Jason, welcome. My good hey, friend here. How are you? I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay. It was a long drive into the city this morning, but I'm amped up and ready to go. Well, Just made two pots of coffee in the cafeteria, too. So That's a lot of coffee to drink. Yeah, I'm not going to drink at all, but okay. I, was being, I was being a nice guy, and I thought the next person that's going to come in to the cafeteria will be happy that I made a fresh pot of that's Starbucks. That's very thoughtful of you. I know. Well, I'm a thoughtful guy. So. You are. Yeah. So it's good to be back here at DMDII. I know we've been away for a couple weeks. We've been doing some on-site recordings, and um, it's always I always smile when I walk in this place because it's beautiful. There's technology here. People innovation. are working, designing, making yeah. manufacturing better. There's machines humming. It's it, and it's kind of cool too. It's got a cool factor. It's a cool vibe. Yeah. It's a cool vibe. No doubt. So. Um, 
and you know, of course, the facility, the room that we're in right now is beautiful. We've got, you know, a 20 foot video screen and all the connections and all the technology right at our fingertips. So we're, we're very, very happy that DMDI has offered the space to us. And uh, we thank them for that. Yeah. And if anybody doesn't know what DMDI is, we actually have an episode about that. We do. I what, don't know what Jason, episode. what does DMDI stand for? It's the Digital Manufacturing and Design Innovation Institute. Bam. You didn't think I was going to get I it, did you? I didn't think you were going to. Well, you you got me the other day on algorithm. Jim, what is an algorithm and can you spell that? And, <laughs> and you didn't I had to know. Google it really quick. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we have a great guest. Yes, we do. In our studio. We're Somebody back that- with the Marketing for Makers. And and you know what? I, I was just telling Julie, who everybody who's listened to at least a few Making Chips episode knows Julie's voice because she's been on quite a few episodes. And I was just telling her how... I was a little hesitant about starting this um, marketing for makers series simply because I thought it was like maybe too much of a distraction from like the core manufacturing. But we've got such great feedback from manufacturing leaders that they love this series and that they're learning so much from it, and it's helping them to, um, you know, just really amp up their business. And that's exactly what we want to have. We want to see manufacturers more focused on marketing, more focused on delivering the message that is relevant to their um, to their customers. We even got some feedback from. Lexico Cable that they you know produced a corporate snapshot straight from the Making Chips episode and yeah, and, that's and, awesome. and and that's awesome and I'm sure that there's a lot of other manufacturing leaders out there who who have done the same thing um, without notifying Jim and I but you know let us know when you when you do that because we love to hear that kind of feedback email us you know Jason at Making Chips and Jim at Making Chips and just let us know say hey here's my corporate snapshot and I, I figured this out straight from you know that episode we would love to get that feedback. And I just want to reiterate that they can call us at 312-725-0245. Jason just forwarded me a voicemail the other day from a gentleman named Tristan in the UK. He wants us to go there and interview him. But Tristan, you didn't leave us any contact information in your voicemail. <laughs> so please call back. Well, give well, us your phone let's number. Let's just call your, the UK and say, you know, can you connect us with Tristan, please? Yeah. He must be really uh, popular, like the Queen or something. I, you I know? know. So Tristan, please call us back and and give us your contact information because I, for one, would love to go over to let's to the UK. Let's and, do some, uh, you know, some interviews in Europe. Yeah. Anything new at Zangers? Anything new at Black? Well, you just had uh, Wednesday was uh, an anniversary, right? Or not an anniversary, a uh, we just open um, house. Yeah, we just as I mentioned before, we just had an open house at Black, and you know it was great. I wasn't there. Um, my wife thoroughly enjoyed herself, and and you know she got to meet and greet all of their suppliers and customers and and everything like that, and and she just really enjoyed herself. And this is you know just get everybody up to date. This is a company that w- um that she acquired back in December. So um, yeah, so it went well. Thank you. How about you? How about a car machine tool? Well, last night I went to a brand new CNC manufacturing open house right in Elk Grove Village. I won't say the name because I don't want to pitch them too much, but I was very surprised at their new facility, how many square feet they have, uh, the innovation that they have. It was quite a party, and uh, I'm going to put a little bit more eyes on this particular machining company for the future and uh, engage with them a little bit more. So, Is is that where you're thinking about buying a five axis? No. Okay. But they have other technologies there that I think that they're better in their uh, core competencies than a five axis machine. But I think we could definitely implement some of those. Are you going to buy a CNC lathe? I'd like to, not from this guy though. Are you sure you know how to lathe? I, I do. Know, you've been milling for so long. I don't know. I definitely know how to do it. It's easier, quite frankly. Oh, yeah. I don't know. You yeah. might get some feedback from the lathe guys on that. Yeah, well, let me know. 
Tell me. Tell me what it's all about. So, Jim, do we even need to introduce our next guest? Is that even? Yeah, I mean, I think a formal introduction should could, we could be could be in line. Yeah, everyone knows she, we've already mentioned her name once. Julie Poulos is in our studio with her smiling face and her infectious giggles, giggles, and uh, she is truly one of my dearest friends um, that I've known for quite some time, and she certainly has a lot of knowledge wrapped up in that brain of hers. And I would like to formally <laughs> welcome her back to the Making Chip Show and continue the Manufacturing for Maker series. Julie, welcome to DMDII Studios. It is great to be here, and it's the first time I've been in your studio here, and I love it. I love the vibe, the energy. It's outstanding. So, Julie, why don't you kick this off? Tell us what the subject matter is of she this... Gonna, is she going to kick it off or she, tee it off? Tee it up. Um, I think she should kick it. <laughs> okay. You know, I think kick, she should kick stand... It, kick it off, Julie, Julie. stand up and kick it off. Um, but yeah, why don't you let... What What is the subject matter for this Marketing for Makers series? So the whole essence of the Marketing for Maker series and great uh, the way you brought that up earlier, Jason, was we really knew that manufacturers were challenged in this new day and era on ways to do business. And so we started up at the beginning of the year really talking about, you know, how um, marketing is really the third tier to your um sales strategy and your overall business strategy. And then month by month, we've been like chipping off at everything it is to do to do something really solid and intentional. So our last episode on 118 was creating a marketing plan. So we had taken everything prior to that. And in the first thing that you need to do to execute a marketing plan is to really know who to market to. So the first thing that I we wanted to address is kind of identifying with some of the challenges that your listeners may have today. And we see when you're going to market, some of the first things that that we have is it starts with a list to market to, and often people don't have it. And outside manufacturing too. So I, I want to be clear, this is a common problem for many businesses. So there's four challenges that I think you guys are going to find very identifiable as well as the uh, listeners that most mid-market manufacturers face, and quite frankly, even sometimes big companies. So the subject matter today is who do you market to? Who do you market to? And where do you start? It starts with a list. So the four challenges that I think that people have in in terms of who they're going to target to is we have a lot of stuff in our head, right? We really do. Or we have a lot of ideas or theories or we know we're going to go into the aerospace market. But what we really don't do is some of the legwork to really equip people to do it. So we hear all the time is the first thing is sometimes manufacturers in in mid-market don't have a prospect list. Our salespeople are often reacting to the leads that are coming in or quite frankly, a lot of what we're getting from our current customers, right? So we don't have somebody that we're actively prospecting and trying to get. So that's the first thing. And I think, Jim, you know, years ago when you and I first talked about that, you were very focused on the customers that you had at hand and, and getting more of those, but really didn't have like new people that you really wanted to, you know, go out there and, and get. Would that be accurate? No, you're absolutely right. I, I did not have a formalized list. I was just trying to nurture our current customers, and I really didn't have anything like that at all. But I do, I do nowadays, yes. So the second thing that I think where people are spending some of the time, but maybe not as intentionally, is you want more from the current contacts that you have. And our team, Natalie, who you're going to hear about today, corrected me because I was saying from the current clients you have. And yes, it's from the current clients that you have, but from the current contacts at the client's contacts, meaning people, humans, um, the procurement guy or whatever, the engineer at the clients that you have. 
because a second challenge we hear all the time, and you might remember our episode um, with uh, uh, Ray Zaganto, it, it, um, Mind to Market at BuyLink. People know you for one thing, but not the other. They buy A from you, but not X, Y, and Z from you. So often we want to pull out that list of people of the list of clients that you have that you could be getting more business from, right? The third would be you want to have more contacts at your client. So referring back to the Ergo Seal episode you did with Tom Hilaris, that um, you know he's in one division of a company, but he, there's two other divisions that need exactly his services, but he only knows one procurement guy right. and blowers. And, and let me tell you, somebody. I know they don't talk amongst each right. other, so it's important to put your name in front of them. And that's a great lead in saying, hey, I do you know that I'm doing work with Bruce Johnson in this division too. So it's a great it's a great segue and it's a better it's a great leg in to the company too. I'm glad you're you, gonna get yeah. noticed. I'm yeah, the worst thing that. that you could do is only have one contact in an account because if that guy or that gal goes somewhere else, you're out. And sometimes it's really hard because this, like when we were talking about Tom, you know, it's pumps, compressors, and blowers. He's in one. I always say which one is the wrong one. I don't even know which one is in. But those people don't even know each other. So it's not like, and then you've got procurement people that maybe are even in the same office, but they're focused just on their one thing. So so that's a strategy unto itself. And then the last thing that I would say is that you know that you've got your top clients, Right. What are the things about them that you can get more clients of, of the same type of clients? So you're you're getting the lead quality that you want. So so where do you start? I'm going to kick where it off. Where do we start with this? And I'm going to hand yeah. it to the lovely Natalie Dubs, who's going to really talk about where she starts in a client endeavor and where you can start at home and to, to do this yourself. Thanks, Julie, for that introduction. And thanks to the Making Chips crew for having us here today. We're really excited. It's my debut. Yeah, so thanks welcome, for having Natalie. Me. It's welcome, <laughs> Natalie. Good to see your smiling face here, thanks. too. Thanks. Yeah, so Julie gave a great introduction to what we do a lot of times when we first engage with our clients. And it's really identifying who we're going after and what does your ideal client look like um, as you're identifying where you want to go in the future too. So the first thing that we have people do is really export any list that they have. So if it's customers or any people you've done business with and just look doing a deep dive into the data of what is that buyer type that is continually to buy because a lot of people have an idea in their mind who it is, but when you actually export that data, the buyers could be very different and the types of quantities and frequency that they're purchasing often varies a lot from what you think in your mind versus reality. So that's always step one. And it Can just, I stop you right there? Yeah. Because I'm thinking about you know what, what a, a typical small manufacturer might have. What about just exporting your Gmail contacts and just looking at it like exporting it into a, C, a CSV or an Excel and just going through quick, you know, hopefully you don't have 10,000 contacts in there, but just going through and identifying them and putting them in different columns and arranging them. Would, yeah. would you say that that would be a good first approach? Yeah, and everyone at RC makes fun of me for my Excel admiration, but I would love if you <laughs> had 10,000 contacts to go through because even in Excel, there's ways to organize the data right. into a clear picture of what you're working with. So you identify gaps or identify where you're whole and, and create your strategy based off that. Um, and then we talked a little bit about LinkedIn too, and there's so much potential and intelligence there that 
Dan has a lot, you know, of insider knowledge into how to go after that specifically. But the way that you can target your customers or potential prospects is very interesting <laughs> and very accurate too. Yeah, if you're willing to pay for the LinkedIn, you know, some of the premier services, you probably can find a lot of intelligence behind your contacts. Um, and you can, a lot of ways, do it in very, probably very sneakily. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is the messaging. And I know you guys talked about that a lot last time, but you're going to say maybe the same call to action to every group, but you want to position that to each individual group. So it makes sense for them. So if you're talking to engineers versus procurement, they're going to have different aha moments as you're going through the marketing process or just talking with them. Um, That's going to make a lot more sense. So it's identifying how many messages you need and really going after the groups in a way that makes sense for them. And when you say groups, do you mean, say, title of that person? Yeah, I think that's a fair way to segment people, at least to start. If you have this list in Excel, that's the easiest way to get started is just looking at titles and going from there. I think we're going to we're kind of pivoting to going to like the bigger, broader marketing list. But I do want to be cognizant of what like you can literally do at home today. And if you're exporting your current customer list and you have like your and and Natalie is the wizard of um, Excel but if you make some columns that say they buy X from me but they could buy Y and Z for me. I mean, that is pretty simple. And then either your inside sales reps or you can hand it off to your direct sales reps can really be focused on X amount of clients knowing that we're going to start talking about these other ancillary and product services. So when it goes back to making your list, you want to make a segment of your list. So this is the current customers that I have that I know I can get more of. That's the lowest of the low hanging fruit, right? And then we can get to the next version, which is a little bit more about account-based marketing. We're already in with this client. We're working with this procurement person or engineer, but we want to get more of those types of people. So really, that's what we kind of call um, account-based marketing, is trying to focus on getting more of the buyers within a current client that you're not, that aren't aware of you. So Dan um, is really has to do a lot for us and our clients to do this. And, and it's really taking, I think, a more of a proactive approach as well. Right. So in, in relation to what you're saying there in, about account-based marketing, Julie, you know, when you look at lead generation or are looking to grow your current client list or, or even prospecting for that matter, you have your ideal clients and you know your clients that are making you revenue and you want more of those. So starting with like a firmographic profile, right? You know the demographics on your audience, but now what's the ideal company that you want to work with? What's the ideal company profile that you want to go after and target, right? So some of those things like, like you were talking about that. That spreadsheet and like you know they buy X from us, but they could be buying Y and Z. So yeah, it's just thinking about some of the the repeat purchase potential that exists within those accounts, and then like what are those uh, potential profit margins if you were to you know sell X, Y, and Z to them. So that's one way to start. And then once you have like your ideal customer profile, that's where you come in. You use LinkedIn, and you can do an advanced search on LinkedIn, like you talked about using some of those premium features, where you're searching by the current company uh, and title right of, of the person that you want to speak to. And 
on LinkedIn. And like, you know, you mentioned it's, it's, you know, there's, there could be very few people in there. And that's because, you know, in B2B, you have a limited amount of buyers at, at any given time that are going to buy from you, but it's very targeted. So it's precise. Hence the, the concept of account based marketing. So, so th- this is a situation where as a company, you say to yourself, I've got these five clients and these are my most profitable clients. I love these guys. They love me. I do great service for them. They appreciate all what I what I do for them. I want 50 more. And so that's where you break them down and then you go into LinkedIn and say, find me 50 more of these and you start advertising to those people and maybe you'll you'll find 10. Yeah, absolutely. And so I wouldn't say just start advertising to them, though, right? Because you really want to think. Or at least through, you find them. Right. You find you, them. You know how many, how many are there. Right, right. So researching the company structure, who the key players are within um, that company, and then saying, okay, what are what are some of their pain points or what are some of their specific business needs that we can kind of create content around so that when we do start to target them, we can run, say, sponsored content to reach them in that matter. And then also thinking through the, the different social media channels that are available, right? Like, where do these people live online like how do we reach them and so they could be on linkedin but do they spend a lot of time on on facebook during the weekends or twitter you know and thinking about how to use that content to reach them on those platforms as well and and you know, and then obviously you want to be able to measure those things, but um, it's kind of like a account-based marketing and inbound at the same time, right? So you're, you're you got your ideal customer profile, and then you're coming up with content that's speaking to their pain points, and and you're you're putting that out there in combination to obviously get them to do business with you, set up meetings, and you know you want to see them engaging with your website, visiting your site, because then now you know you got their attention and they're engaging with your brand. Yeah, I just wanted to take one point from Dan there when he talked about maybe not doing ads first. And I think that's important because I think a lot of people have the um, thought in their head that, oh, well, we'll just run some ads. But you have to think through the whole process. So where are those ads leading people? If you don't have a built up LinkedIn page or if you don't have content or thought leadership pieces on your page, sure, you'll have a high click rate. But they're seeing an empty page. So I think before you are driving people anywhere, it's really important to build up not only your brand, but that content that's going to support it. So you're going to get more bang for your buck when you do get to the ad stage if you have a built up page or profile to begin with. And I think that that is another scrappy way to kind of get the wheels in motion um, in building up accounts like the ones that have been successful for your company in the past. And and I think that on a future episode, because because we could we could talk for a long time about this. How do we build up that more depth of content as opposed to just the shallow amount of content that I would say ninety percent of manufacturers have their on their website. Yeah, and that's one of the challenges that we experience too is, is really extracting the content, those stories, and really um, taking some of those case studies or or things that you've done and repurposing that um, in a way where you know it's in PDF, it's in video, it's it's podcast. We say um, write once, repurpose many, and taking that concept and really taking one story where you've impacted a customer and and just and putting it in different formats so that when we're on these channels, we're reaching them, we're having as many touch points as we can, you know, to get in front of them. Sorry, Dan, one more thing to add. So the other thing, too, when we're talking about content in terms of like multimedia and all of that, it's really important to have these trends in your customer behavior before you do this, because we talked about this a little bit before, but you want to create content that's going to resonate in the minds of your end user. And I think as a company, it's so easy to just push out content 
that's we're so great. This is what we're doing. Look at all our success, which is important. But to nobody us. cares about you. They care one tenth of the time. So th- it's important to also look at, you know, industry news or trend reports or something that's going to mean something to your end user. And in my experience, it's a really difficult mind shift to get there. And that's why strategy is so important to identify who our audiences are. And it's so important to get this Excel or whatever document of target companies because you can start to see what they read or who they follow and identify content that means something or that they can print off and use themselves and and have you positioned as someone they need and value as a partner too. So Dan, I have a quick question for you. So we're, we're cultivating all these new contacts on LinkedIn. How do we get them on the list? So I make a connection with Jim Smith at Siemens in Jacksonville, Florida, or six other people that are our target people. How do we take those contacts and get, do we have to like physically type them on that list that Natalie just shared with us, that Excel doc, or, you know, what's the process? Yeah. So um, that's, that's a good question. And I, I would start there. Definitely a manual process, right? So, you know, you identify those contacts, you know who they are. These are the accounts you want to go after, add them to your list. And I would, you know, as I think about how to engage, like really thinking through the, again, the strategy in terms of like how we're going to get in front of them and how we're going to get them to, you know, first visit our site and learn more about us. And then what are we offering to them? Like, what is the magnet that's going to get them to opt in, whether it's a newsletter or something that we have on our landing page where we can get them to opt in? Um, really thinking through, there's a lot of different ways to do it. But when you start thinking about the content and how you want to position that and what your messaging is, um, it really comes down to uh, the messaging on your landing page and and really what it is you're offering and what it is you're speaking to. And I feel like if you're providing something out there that's giving them value, you know, they're not going to hesitate to give you their email address and, you know, you're going to have them on your list and be able to market to them down the road. You know, I'm, I'm sitting back and I'm trying to take all this in and, you know, I get a lot of LinkedIn requests and, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot happening. There's a lot of noise in social media, right? And clutter, yeah. There's a lot of clutter. But so I'm just trying to think, you know, we're all busy. How do we easily extract these verified contacts from my LinkedIn to that list that Natalie just exported from the Google Contacts list? And she's got that beautiful Excel doc. She's, you know, cultivating it into columns and she, you know, but how do we, how do we take that, that new contact from LinkedIn that we've just found and put them on that list? Okay. And there's, and I'm sure our listeners are saying too, is like, okay, we also don't want to be spammy, right? So I want to break it back down to, again, what our goal here is today is to making the list. And I'm going to, I'm going to post a couple things to you, Natalie and and Dan, that I want you to elaborate on because, you know, I'm high, high level girl, but there's going to be two approaches that we want to take. So let's assume we all know our our client list that we're going to get more of. That's easy. We can hand that off to somebody in our company and have a targeted approach, you know, for that. But then we're wanting more contacts from the the clients that we have or all new clients altogether. We want the, the top 20 that, um, 
that we are going to hand off to equip our salespeople. And, and I say 20 as an arbitrary number. If you have only one salesperson or two salespeople like some of our clients, then that's a manageable number. And, and next month, we're going to talk about a, a kind of an old school nurture strategy to help support those salespeople. Then what we have is a different list, which is like, okay, we want more of these companies. So we've identified already, we've got this great, you know, Siemens is a great client of ours and we want um, more companies like Siemen and we want more contacts within Siemen. So this is what I'm going to hand back off to you guys. So on the short side of it, I want Natalie to talk a little bit about how getting scrappy in LinkedIn just to get that to that the contacts for the top 20s that you want. And then Dan, I want to kick this back to you where we need like 300 people that we're going to actually be able to have that targeted advertising suit. And we're going to have a different you know tab in our Excel spreadsheet that, that's going to be listing that because we don't know them yet. We don't know those people yet and we don't want to just spam them. Yeah, because I mean, on LinkedIn, somebody knows when when they look at you unless you have one of those premium accounts where you can block that. But I know that, you know, I'll log into LinkedIn and I'll see, you know, so-and-so, you know, these five people were looking at your account. And that's not really a bad thing either. No, so it's it, not it always a bad thing. opens the door too for conversation. If I know that you saw my profile, at least know that you have read about me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's re- it's really weird, but like every time I logged in LinkedIn, I'll have like uh, they'll say like, okay, these five people, and one of those five people is always Jim Carr. It's like he's, it's, it's like he's always he's logged. He's really in. blowing smoke today. Let me tell you, I haven't like, clicked on his. It's like he's always constantly looking looking at my LinkedIn profile, and I cannot. I've been meaning to ask you, Jim, why are you always on my LinkedIn profile? Because I want to see if you're uh, doing any kind of social media marketing for us. But no, you're I will, looking at my picture. Don't lie. I will agree that. It is important to see who is looking at your profile because, as you may or may not remember when I told you all about six months ago that I had an aerospace company that actually looked at one of my posts and 16 different people from that one aerospace company looked at my post. So So you knew they were talking. I knew they were talking. I added them to my prospect list so that wraps itself right back into what we're trying to do. We're trying to make a list, a list of target people that we want to talk to. So I get it. Yeah, and that's a great point. I mean, LinkedIn, one of the biggest things is engagement, and it's also understanding who's looking at what post. And that goes back to the segmented list that we we started the episode talking about and what types of people are looking at what types of things and building your Excel document, Google document, whatever it is, off of that and being able to look, okay, you know, 13 aerospace procurement people were looking at this post. So let's add them to this list and get their contact information in. Another important thing that you can do, I think just on the premium version of LinkedIn, which is a great investment if you're, you know, in in a prospecting phase, is sending them an email with a corporate snapshot or any piece of content and saying, hey, Glad you thought that this was interesting. Wanted to send you just a little bit more information. So having that direct personal contact is really important too. You could even get their email address, put it on your doc and wait, you know, a couple weeks, every two weeks, send an email message saying, thanks for the engagement on this post. Wanted to send you a little bit more information that I thought you might be interested in. So are you saying once you determine that they're looking at you and you connect with them, 
start engaging a little bit more yes. via LinkedIn messaging and attach a doc into that LinkedIn messaging? I think you could do that. I think that's very time consuming if yeah. you're posting a lot. I think for high level contacts, that makes sense. Okay. Um, I think for the majority of people that are engaging, putting them on a, a list, whether it be a doc or an email marketing platform and sending a blast that looks personal to those people with um, specified information that correlates to what they were looking at is the best way to do it. I, I think the, the other thing is everything isn't always online. Don't forget to ask your clients and say, is there anybody else within the organization that you can introduce me to? I think we forget to ask. Now you're talking like a salesperson more than a marketer. Uh, well, marketing is to support sales. That's right. the entire, and marketing and sales aligned is really the goal that you're trying to, to get at. And, and so just kind of to uh, wrap up the takeaways, export your customer data and really look at where you have opportunity. Look at who are the clients that you have that you can get more of, and then export those names and hand them off to somebody in the organization who's going to be in charge of that. And, and our, our thought is just take, you know, a t- not more than you can chew, but like top 20 and go in in that aspect. And then uh, examine where the areas of opportunities are to get more contacts within clients you already have and start an effort where you're maybe getting a little LinkedIn stocky over there. And then be very clear about the customers that you have that you want more like and start doing a little legwork there and try to build a list of these are the aspirational clients that I would really like to have. Breaking it down into simple terms, I think on your your spreadsheet, you want to have your top 20s that you're going to go after and then you want to have more of that aspirational. So you have two different segments here. Thank you, Julie. And thank you, Dan. And thank you, Natalie. I mean, this has been great. I feel like I'm like overwhelmed with um, with knowledge and I just need to figure out how to dissect this and put this together into a yeah, into well, a good you know, strategy and make this actionable. Of course, we're going to talk about that next time. Yeah, and, and I, I know Julie because she's been a great friend of mine for you know a long time and she I remember her always going back to saying it all starts with a list and she couldn't be any more right. No matter how you house that list, whether it's on a digital format, whether it's on a piece of paper, you know, h- however you feel comfortable doing it, start a list Ideally, it would be best to go into an Excel doc or a Google Sheet uh, so you've got a little bit more control over it. But um, yeah, just start it. Just open it up, start typing, export your contact list, and get started today. Figure out who your customers are and find more of those. Bam! This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. Can I just like back the truck up for one second? Kind of going back because you have to make the noise. (laughs) is this kind of like how santa claus has his bad list and his good list and he wants to bring more presents to the good boys and girls and and reduce it to the bad boys and girls you want to you know target those good and not target the bad right yeah i think so (laughs) i mean that's one way to put it yeah
you know, looking at the different approaches, just like you, you know, we we're talking about the the good boys and the and the bad and and the bad boys. Um, so I always we, do kind of go for the bad boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were gonna say. Uh, we're that. so off track now. <laughs> right, right, right. I thought I, I thought I put us off track at the beginning, and Julie took I us more I'm blushing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me gather myself here. All right. Yeah. Um, Dance, start all over. Yeah. 